0: Hello, and welcome back to Post-Traumatic Revelations. I am your host, Ofra Caraballo. And in today's episode, we are looking at suicide and its different forms. We're going to talk about the different ways we commit suicide. I know, sounds a little weird, right? But bear with me. And we're also going to look at some of the misconceptions of suicide. So first, let's look at the word suicide. I mean, just the word can elicit all kinds of emotions, Um, controversial, unsettling. So I don't want to brush across it. I want to slow down and really look at it. I don't want to rush over it. I don't want to minimize it. I don't want to dismiss it or ignore it. And while it's not the most comfortable topic, it is necessary to talk about suicide. The act of self-harm, self-sacrifice, or killing is arguably as old as humanity. In fact, one of the earliest recorded Suicides is in the 4th century BC in Greece. And attitudes towards suicide have changed throughout the history of humankind based on the beliefs of the time, the social norms of the time, cultures, time and space. So from martyr to criminal, the act of ending one's own life has been accepted, condemned, and celebrated depending on who you are and where you are in the world, be it in Greece or Japan or here in the U.S. My point is the topic is not new and opinions vary. And while most, if not all, Of these conversations have focused on primarily physical suicide, I want to add to the conversation other forms of suicide. But before I get there, let's go back to defining the word, the actual meaning of the word suicide. So looking back at it, let's go back to its Latin origin, the word sui. Sui means one's self. And the word sedium means a killing. So we get suicidium, a killing of oneself. And since I'm inviting you to look at the different forms of killing oneself, let's first look at the word kill. I know, self-explanatory, but let's zoom in a little closer. To kill is to destroy, to cause to die, to cause something to fail, or be defeated. So, over the past 17 or so years, I've worked with trauma victims, trauma survivors, and their caregivers. And what I've learned is that people can and do commit suicide in multiple ways. There is the physical killing of oneself, most discussed, most studied, most addressed. But then there's Emotional suicide, that emotional shutting down, the numbing out that kills relationships. And there is psychological suicide, that disengagement, that withdrawing from the living process that kills our reason and our logical behavior. Just the choice to not take care of yourself, to not. Brush your teeth to not do the things that would be considered necessary for a healthy life. And there's financial suicide, the reckless spending or complete disregard for your financial safety and well being, or for the financial safety and well being of the people you care about that you just kind of recklessly make these choices that are potentially dangerous. And then there's professional suicide, the complete disregard for your professional safety or well-being. And what all of these forms of suicide have in common is the conscious and intentional choice the conscious and intentional desire to self-destruct. There is an awareness that if I do this thing, or if I do that thing, it will destroy my life. It will destroy my marriage, my family relationships. It will destroy me financially, my professional and community standing, my status, my reputation will be destroyed if I do this thing. And You make the choice anyway. The thing about committing suicide is it's not a decision that's made lightly. A lot of time and energy and consideration and planning is involved in that final act that you don't just wake up and say, you know what, today I'm just going to self-destruct, but there's a process, there's a getting there, there is a deterioration from the healthy self to this place of indifference, this place of complete hopeless and powerless, and this is the only choice. There is a process to that final act. Since we are living beings, part of creation, our natural desire, our natural propensity, our natural inclination, it's toward life, toward living, thriving, expanding, growing and changing and cooperating. I mean, think about it. Ever try blowing a baby's nose? They fight like hell with all of their little strength they're trying to breathe. So we are born with a drive toward life. Not only do we want to live, but we want to thrive. And so instinctively, we will fight for our right to live. We will fight until something or someone convinces us that it's not possible, that life and freedom is not possible. In other words, until something traumatic happens, something that traumatizes us to the point of perceived hopelessness. And what all forms of suicide have in common is the belief that there is no other way out. There's no other way out of the current situation. That suicide is the only way. That the self destruct button is the only out. And in that moment, it is the only choice. That person can't see any other way. It is the only solution to their problem. So, whether it's 400 something BC or 2021 humans have struggled with a decision of self-destruct or not. That's literally thousands of years of grappling with this decision. And it wasn't until maybe like the mid-1600s that it started to be considered as a mental disorder. Several professionals... Several great minds, one of the earliest being Sir Thomas Brown. Uh, There's Norm Kreitman, Edwin Strangel. There's more recent, Bessel van der Kolk, and Marsha Linehan, just to name a few. But great minds looking at the act of physical suicide, and possible causes. And as we learn more, what we know for sure is that some kind of trauma precludes most, if not all, acts of suicide. And I say most, if not all, because 99.9% of the time, there's some kind of trauma history, but you want to leave some room for human possibility. But regardless of the form, physical, emotional, psychological, financial, or professional, there is a process. It's not just traumatic event, commit suicide, or traumatic event, self-destruct. No, there's a process. There's usually some attempt To restore or repair what was damaged by the traumatic event, there are attempts to self regulate, attempts to get support or attention or permission to heal. Some attempts are considered healthy and productive, like calling someone, telling the teacher, asking for help, calling 911, or going to therapy. Other attempts may be considered counterproductive or not so healthy, like cutting, cheating, showing up to work late consistently, self-harming or abusing alcohol or drugs or gambling, or maybe misusing your prescription medications. Unfortunately, too many of these behaviors can be misread, misunderstood, unseen, misjudged, ignored or dismissed, completely invalidated. And consequently, post traumatic needs go unmet. And when these needs go unmet long enough, the idea of suicide becomes a viable option. For far too many trauma victims, persistent hopelessness leads to some form of suicide. But we have become so rushed And so dismissive that not only do we deny ourselves the time and space to heal, we also dismiss the needs of other people. We say things like, oh, he just wants attention. Oh, he's just being weak. Oh, he's just being dramatic. Oh, he's just acting out. If we have to go to such extremes of self-harm, isn't it worth it to stop and give that attention? Are we really willing to die for attention or allow that of someone else? Isn't it worth it to pause? What if we flipped it around? What if instead of struggling with the idea of suicide, we sat with it? I know, crazy, but what if? What if we had a real conversation with suicide? Not fighting with it, not denying it, not judging it, but being with it. I used to work at psychiatric hospitals. I used to work with patients who were in intensive treatment for having recently attempted suicide or were actively suicidal. I didn't ask them about hurting themselves. I asked them about killing themselves. And I asked because there is a huge difference. And when working in the darkness, when working with someone in the post traumatic darkness, it's important not to tiptoe around the subject. It's important to be honest. It's important to know who you're working with. It's important to be very clear about where people are. Suicide is the intentional killing or destruction of the living self, that self-sustaining state of being. So there's no place for games of tiptoeing around. Suicide is not pretty. Suicide is not kind. It is vicious. And so honesty is important to honor where the person is. Suicide is not this place of weak and pathetic. It's about being done. This vicious done There is a hopelessness, but it's not a a weak hopelessness. Sometimes language is really restricting. And so it's really hard to explain, and I've come to understand the state of active suicide in a very different way. And I've gained this new respect for how we get there and the conversation that's happening that in that space, it makes perfect sense. And so tiptoeing around hurting yourself versus killing yourself, that doesn't honor the seriousness of the moment. And so I ask Straightforward and with respect, where they are and what the intent is. So, again, suicide is the intentional attempt, the completion of, right? The intentional taking of a life, the intentional destroying of a state of being. And suicidal is the active planning to destroy or terminate that living self, that life-sustaining state of being. And then there's suicidal ideations. And this is when there are thoughts or ideas about killing or destroying the living self that self-sustaining state of being. And there's also a state of parasuicide. And this is when people are actively, intentionally causing harm to the living self. Harm, but without the intent of destroying or killing the self. So with all of this information, we can get a better idea. We can get a better handle on who we are, where we are, what we're working with, and what we really want. So I would ask clients at the patients at the hospital, I would ask them, And often I still ask my clients currently people who um, have a recent history of suicide attempts um, or suicidal ideations, I will ask them questions like, do you want to die or do you want to stop hurting? Um, Or maybe I will ask, do you want to kill yourself or do you want to stop the pain? Uh, Sometimes I'll ask, what's hurting so bad that you want to die? And so I ask these types of questions to slow down the process because a lot of times the brain is racing, race, racing, racing in such a way that maybe the person isn't really thinking that clearly and haven't stopped to consider the spaces between where they are and where they are wanting to go or where they want to be. So asking these questions slow things down and allow us to have the space to sit with suicide so often the intent is not necessarily to destroy a life or destroy a relationship but to change it in such a dramatic way and without support or without permission that destruction can feel like the only choice. And so that slowing down allows for the space and possibility of other options to be considered. What if we choose creation? What if we give ourselves permission to change dramatically instead of self-destructing? Now I do recognize that we all have different circumstances and sometimes it is too dangerous. To ask for help in the legal or honest way. And I'm not talking about those extreme cases where the law or society is not helpful. That's a show all its own. I am talking about the choice to commit psychological, emotional, financial, or professional suicide, the choice to turn things upside down or stay trapped and stuck in a painful and debilitating situation. I often say it and I truly believe it. If it's not worth living for, it's not worth dying for. And the question is, how do you want to live? How do you want to live? Sometimes sitting with suicide, being with your feelings instead of fighting with them, can offer some clarity, some revaluation, some restructuring. If we can allow ourselves the permission if we can give ourselves the permission post-traumatically to feel the sadness, feel the helplessness, feel the pain, feel the anger, feel the loss, feel the post-traumatic fear and frustration, if we can allow ourselves to feel our emotions instead of denying them and burying them, If we can allow ourselves the space for self-healing, for reconstruction, if we can allow for the processing of these feelings, that these feelings can move through us and not get stuck inside of us, weighing us down like weights, Maybe we won't be so overwhelmed by the ocean of emotions. Maybe we won't be so heavy that we drown in them. Yes, suicide is a choice, but it's not the only choice. So if you or someone you know is feeling suicidal, please call 1 Two seven three eight two five five 8255 from anywhere in the United States. I want to thank you for your time, your attention, and your permission to hold space, to exchange information, to spread the message of love, hope, and healing post-traumatically. And until next time, be well.